Hello, it's Landon. And Monique. We're here again. We are indeed. The kitchen of knowledge. Yes, it is. It's and evening. It is evening. So the, the garbage truck probably won't come by this month if you no. were all hoping to hear the dumpster being emptied. I know. And actually, I think there was somebody who commented that We've talked about having a glass of wine or something, and some of, and I don't think I have ever talked about that, have I? I think you probably have. Maybe. Anyways, I'm not drinking wine. No. No, because as it is, I sometimes have a hard time pronouncing words, so I figured that it might not be a good idea for me to have any kind of problem. That might be a good idea. Yeah. So we're going to start about, what are we talking about today? Uh, you being a pain. <laughs> I don't think that that's it. I think you're starting today. Oh, I am. Remember? Oh, I'm the pain. I, you are the pain. Because last month we talked about pain. Yeah, we talked medications, about... Medications. Exactly. And this month we're going to talk about pain scales. Yeah. So, we've been asked... And, and full disclosure, yeah. Monique and I are triage educators yes. for many years across the country. And if you yes. use the Canadian Triage Acuity Scale... Yes. All you need to do to get a group of emergency nurses into a big argument yes. is say to them that abdominal pain, 8 out of 10, is a CTAS 2, no matter if you believe their pain or not. Yes. So so we thought, let's actually look at some of these pain scales yes. and, and share an opinion or two. Mm -hmm. So certainly pain is one of the most common chief complaints that we see in the emergency department. The International Association for the Study of Pain defines pain as an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with actual or potential tissue damage. The Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations in the U.S. have guidelines that pain assessment should be added as the fifth vital sign in the initial assessment. Current evidence supports a general recommendation that pain needs to be evaluated and managed within 20 to 25 minutes of the initial healthcare provider's assessment in the emergency department. And so we do think it's important to understand why pain assessment is so important, and therefore we do have to look at the validity of those scales that we use. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that pain assessment is twofold. One is determine the severity of the patient's clinical condition. Right. And the second is to prioritize the need to get an order for an analgesic more exp expediently. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I need my aspirin for last <laughs> month. I'm having a stroke. More expediently for patients in severe pain. So I guess the question is also, does pain severity equate to how sick a patient is? And as I said already, as triage nurses, we've all had the experience of someone coming into the emergency department complaining of 8 out of 10 abdominal pain but they're eating Doritos and laughing with their friends. And usually on their cell phone as well. Yeah, so funny side story. Yeah. I was, and I don't remember her name. If she listens, she can show me her name. <laughs> uh, send me her name. It was a surgical resident. Oh. Uh, this is a few years ago. And we were standing at the foot of the trauma bay with someone who was uh, sitting there on their cell phone texting in full C-spine precautions, had their phone oh, up. Oh, wow. And, and totally unrelated, she said to me, I became a surgeon at the wrong time. And I said, why is that? She goes, all the signs have all been named. I'm never going to have a sign named after me. And I looked over and I said, there you go. We call it positive texting sign. We could name it after you. <laughs> and for the next couple of weeks, I called it the blank sign. And I've just forgotten her name. But anyway, we should name that the positive yeah, exactly. texting sign. Um, we should, a surgeon should name it. You're not exactly. dying if you're texting on your phone. Unless yeah. you're texting, to I'm dying. To tell somebody that you're dying, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, totally got on a soapbox there. I... 
I feel like her name was Dr. Smith, Smith's sign. It, oh, it, that, that. It, it, it yeah, resonates, goes, but yeah. yeah, I don't remember. Mm. Yeah, she probably left and went somewhere else. Anyway, so d does assigning a pain scale need to be mandatory in assigning a pain uh, triage level? Does this meet current evidence? And really, does 8 out of 10 pain mean anything different than 3 out of 10 pain? Exactly. Can you die of 3 out of 10 pain? I guess you could. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that that whole question, and we'll talk about it Why don't you later. take us away from opinion Yes, and into let's go fact. back to some facts. So let's uh, perhaps start with some facts. So in 1992, the Agency for Healthcare Policy and Research in the U.S. put together an acute pain management guideline panel to come up with clinical practice guidelines. And what they came up with is that the patient's self-report is the most accurate and reliable evidence of the existence of pain and its intensity. And this holds true for patients of all ages, regardless of communication or cognitive deficits. The World Health Organization estimates that 5.5 billion people, so 83% of the world's population, live in countries with low to non-existent access to controlled medications and have inadequate access to treatment for moderate to severe pain. Um, the struggle to manage pain in patients effectively and safely has long been an issue in medicine and perhaps even more relevant today due to the opiate crisis and peer de dependency. The International Association for the Study of Pain has said that globally the 2019 goal is against pain in the most vulnerable. I find that quite interesting uh, because I do know that when I traveled in third world countries and I have Tylenol and ibuprofen in my bag, um, so often I give it to patients uh, or to people that I've met who've got like back pain or something. And they're so appreciative because they can't even get those kind of medications. Now, here in Canada, the Canadian Pain Society is a society of scientists and health professionals who have a vested interest in pain research and management. And it is a chapter of this international association. They support the treatment of pain as a basic human right and is currently advocating for a Canadian national pain strategy. In fact, on April the 3rd, uh, 2019 in Toronto, the Honourable uh, Jeanette Petitpas-Taylor, the Minister of Health, announced the establishment of the Canadian Pain Task Force at the Canadian Pain Society's 40th Annual Scientific Meeting in Toronto. They will help the Government of Canada to address the barriers that may prevent people with chronic pain from receiving the health services they need. Statistically, approximately one in five Canadians currently experience chronic pain. So we get it, pain management is important, but how can we treat it if we can't assess it accurately? Well, so let's review some of the common pain scales that tend to fall into certain categories. There's some various different kinds, numerical rating scales, visual analog scales, colors. So let's sort of just go through them. Sure. All right. So first one, the numerical rating pain scale. In my experience, this is definitely the most common one yeah. we see in emergency departments. And this is, uh, it's designed to be used by those over age nine. And patients verbally rate their pain from zero to 10, zero meaning no pain, and 10 representing the most intense pain possible. Then we talk about the Wong Baker faces pain scale. And this combines pictures and numbers for pain ratings, and it can be used in children over the age of three and in some adults maybe who don't speak English or aren't able to be expressive verbally. And so the six faces depict different expressions ranging from happy to extremely upset. 
Each is assigned a numeric rating between zero, which is smiling, and 10, which is crying. If a patient has pain, he or she can point to the picture that best describes the degree and intensity of his or her pain. The third one is the FLAC scale, which stands for Face, Legs, Activity, Crying, and Consolability. This was developed to help observers assess the level of pain in children who are too young to communicate verbally. It can also be used in adults who are unable to communicate verbally. It's based on observations with zero to two points assigned for each of those five in areas, and you add them up, and uh, anywhere from zero all the way up to 10, again, is zero to severe kind of pain. Yeah. There's the CRI scale, so C-R-I-E-S, which is uh, crying, oxygenation, vital signs, facial expression, and sleeplessness. And this is often used for infants six months old and younger, and it's often used in neonatal ICUs, and it's really based on observations and objective measures. Number five, the comfort scale. This is used by a healthcare provider when a person cannot describe or rate their pain. Some of the common populations that the scale may be used for is children, uh, adults who are cognitively impaired, adults whose cognition is temporarily impaired by medication or illness, people who are sedated in an ICU or an OR. And it provides a pain rating between 9 to 45 based on nine different parameters, each rated from 1 to 5. Mm -hmm. And those parameters are things like alertness, calmness, respiratory distress, crying, physical movement, muscle tone, facial tension, and blood pressure and heart rate. Uh, number six is the McGill Pain Scale. Now, this is like a questionnaire of 78 words that describe pain. Can you imagine that, triage? Uh, <laughs> a patient rates their own pain by marking the words that most closely match up to their feelings. So, for example, uh, tugging, terrifying, cold, sharp, wretched. Uh, once a person has made their selection, a numeric score with a maximum rating of 78 is assigned. That actually means that the patient has to be able to read and it may be helpful for long-term planning of pain management as opposed to acute. Number seven, the color analog scale. This scale uses colors with red representing severe pain, yellow representing moderate pain, and green representing comfort. They're usually positioned in a linear format with corresponding numbers or words that describe the pain. It's often used with um, children. And one thing that I've been told about this one is it's very much designed around the North American culture colors. of red meaning bad pain. Yeah. And that there's lots of cultures where red is not. It's a good thing. It's it's good. Yeah, and, exactly. And so yeah. that you need to know the, the culture oh, yeah. that you're using it with if it would be appropriate for them, if exactly. they would understand it. Uh, number eight is the Mankowski pain scale. And this uses numbers and corresponding descriptors of pain so that the patient and the healthcare provider understand one another. So the descriptions are quite detailed, including phrases such as like, like a toothache or cannot be ignored for more than 30 minutes. Uh, number nine, a brief pain inventory. This uses a worksheet with 15 questions that ask you to numerically rate the effect of your pain on categories such as how you relate with other people walking and sleep over the last 24 hours. I, yeah. I, I just suddenly in my mind got got a picture of, of someone trying to evaluate how they're relating with everyone else <laughs> in the waiting room. Exactly, <laughs> I know. Uh, and the last one, number 10, is the descriptor differential scale of pain intensity. This scale uses 12 descriptors, such as faint, strong, intense, and very intense. And each word is placed in the middle of its own line with a plus sign at one end and a minus sign at the other end. And the patient marks each line at the level of the word itself or near the plus or minus sign to convey how well the word describes his or her pain. 
very complicated. It is. Um, there's lots of, like, I think these are the 10 that are probably the ones that people use, but there were so many others that we didn't actually even man manage. So as we can see, there are lots of ways yeah. for us to try to accurately assess pain and come up with some type of common language between patients and their caregivers. And that's really our overall goal. Yeah, is pain absolutely. is this subjective thing that I can't see. Yeah. So what can we use that's objective between yeah. the two of us to try and understand each understand other? Understand it. Yeah, absolutely. How accurate and how valid are these scales? There have been two studies just published in 2018. Mm -hmm. One in the Scandinavian Journal of Pain. Who knew yeah. there would be a Scandinavian Journal of Pain? In January 2018, looking at the validity of pain intensity measures, and the second one was published in the American Journal of Emergency Medicine, also in January, looking at a systematic review of the pain scales in adults and which ones we should use. So in the Scandinavian study, they acknowledged that the numerical rating scale, the visual analog scale, and the verbal rating scale, and the faces pain scale, yeah. are valid measures of pain intensity. However, rating on these measures may be influenced by non-pain intensity factors like unpleasantness, catastrophizing, depressive symptoms. In their conclusions, they stated that the visual analog scale and the numerical rating scale were less influenced by non-pain intensity factors. So both the verbal rate and the faces scale were influenced by pain interference and pain unpleasantness. So they have other things that are... So it sounds to me that more objectively would be the visual analog. Uh, and, and the, the numbers. And the numbers, right? Right. The second paper that reviewed the studies around pain scales um, was the American study, and there was quite a bit of discussion. There were about, what they did is they reviewed all the studies around pain scales, and there were 872 potential relevant studies, but over 853 were excluded for a number of reasons. Wow. And about 19 trials met the selection um, criteria. That brings uh, your meta-analysis just I back know, to an analysis, exactly. doesn't it? I know, based on comparing <laughs> of the pain scales. So with respect to the quality of evidence, there were 63 that were moderate quality and 37 that were low quality. In the discussion, there was a statement saying that in order to use pain rating scales well, clinicians need to appreciate the potential for error within the tools. We will get to this a little later. The studies didn't really show a huge difference between any of the scales used, though there was a preference to the numeric rating scale. The studies felt that the numeric rating scale um, had good sensitivity and produced data that can be analyzed for audit purposes. The bulk of the evidence demonstrates a gap for improvement to indicate pluses and minuses of each rating scale used for acute pain. I think at the end of the day, the conclusion is that it is important that clinicians should somehow assess their patient's pain levels, no matter which method or scale one uses to accomplish this task. Pain cannot be treated if it cannot be assessed, is basically what the conclusion so at the end of the day, we actually need to do better studies to see if we can clearly develop strategies to improve how we understand our patient's pain. We need to assess pain and we need to treat pain and evaluate how well those pain strategies are working. So really, they haven't been great studies. No. And, it's just, and that basically is what it said. And so, here we are. I know. Yeah. Exactly. Really not much help. Right. <laughs> so recently, we were at the... National Emergency Nurses Association conference in St. John's, New Brunswick, mm -hmm. St. John, New Brunswick, sorry. Yes. And That's we presented awesome. on some topics and, and our presentation was we had a debate and yeah. we debated sort of some pros and cons. Pain management and assessment techniques have certainly created a lot of heated discussions between uh, nurses and between nurses and physicians. So maybe we should have a little discussion here. And I yeah. actually don't know your opinion on these things, even though we've known each other forever. Yeah. 
Question one. Monique, yeah. should pain assessment, i.e. numerical scales, be mandatory at triage to determine an acuity level? I don't think so. I do think that you need to assess pain at some point. And I think it goes back to that whole thing that we talked about at the beginning, where we said, can an 8 out of 10 pain indicate the severity? And what is our purpose for asking that question? So I think to myself, if somebody is having acute pain in centrally, so they look uncomfortable, then I'm more concerned that there's something bad happening there. And so acute pain, sudden pain, to me is much more concerning centrally, right? So I don't think knowing if it's 8 out of 10 or 6 out of 10 is going to influence my triage because, or the acuity scale itself. Equally, if I have somebody who tells me it's 3 out of 10 in their head, but it came on suddenly and they're just a bit stoic and they have a high blood pressure and they tell me it's a sudden onset, do I actually care if it's 3 out of 10? I'm still going to make it a 2. I think the question, the concern for me is to make it mandatory because you couldn't have a eating Cheetos guy who tells you it's eight and you put it into your mandatory system and you know, looking at him, there's no other clinical signs to indicate how that there is anything that's concerning and your computer automatically makes him a CTAS too. Kind of takes away that art of understanding what my clinical judgment is based on what the patient looks like. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. And, and I, I agree for some of the same reasons. I think, I think assessing a pain level, in my opinion, assessing a pain, the only purpose of assessing a pain level is to know if what I'm doing worked. Yeah. And so I actually don't care what the number is. I don't care. And you hear yeah. people like a 10 is if I tore your arm off. Yeah. Blah. It's like, I actually don't care what their 10 is. Yeah. If they say it's 10, yeah. once I treat them, is it now a five? And yeah. I don't actually care how bad the 10 was. It, yeah. What I now know is it's cut in half. Exactly. So is it mandatory at triage for me to know that? No. And I, I've struggled for years to find a clinical diagnosis where the severity of pain indicates how bad it is. And yeah. every specialty every specialty tells you the same thing. It's like, it doesn't matter how bad their headache is. If they're bleeding their brain, they're bleeding their brain. Yeah. If they're having a heart attack, it doesn't matter how bad their pain is. They're having a heart attack. Exactly. Um, you know, non-STEMIs, the degree of pain has no indication of how bad their non-STEMI is. Like everyone says this. And the only one mm -hmm. that I have ever actually had say to me, this is a significant difference, yeah. was a surgeon who said any pain that starts suddenly is structural. Exactly. And any pain that starts gradually is something else. Exactly. And so always be worried when someone says, this started Suddenly. like that. Yeah. Because some structural thing in their body has broken. They yeah. have or blown their aorta. They have, right, they have a yeah. structure. They have a clot in an yes. artery. Exactly. They have sudden pain is structural. Yeah. Gradual pain is, you know, medical, I think was the word he Yeah. He or, used because he was a surgeon, right? Exactly. Um, and so that's the only, in my whole career, I, I'm asking people, does it matter how bad the pain is? Everyone mm -hmm. goes, no, it doesn't matter how bad the pain is. It matters that there's something. Exactly. You know, matters that they have a, you know, a tumor in their liver or whatever. It doesn't exactly. matter how bad the pain is. They still have a tumor in their liver. So, so that bringing it back to triage, I only use it as a where where were we at and where are we now? Exactly. So is that a triage thing? No. 
Right. So it's uh, an initial assessment thing. Exactly. So and I think it needs to be assessed, but not at triage. It shouldn't be mandatory at triage right. to indicate. I don't an think it should indicate level. acuity. Yeah. I would ask it at triage just to get a baseline, but yeah. I don't think because you said eight out of ten. I don't know. I've seen I've seen some pretty sick ectopic pregnancies with yeah. no pain. Exactly. Yeah. So you're so I'm supposed to make you a four now because you have zero out of ten abdominal pain, and but I'm supposed to say. But I look at them and I use my gestalt, and I'm like, but you're a ruptured ectopic. I can exactly. tell from your story and looking at you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I, that that's my thing, and it's maybe based a little bit on science, but not completely. But yeah, I've not found a specialist yet who I've talked to that said. The level of pain matters. Yeah. Longer term. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. People exactly. in an extreme chronic pain obviously have you know PTSD from it and delayed healing and that kind of thing. We're not talking about that population. No, we're just talking about something. <laughs> I'm not talking about the hip replacement. Yeah. The hip replacement in severe pain for two yeah. weeks. That's a different or or a burn or something. Absolutely. Different story. We're talking presenting at our front door. So the second question, I'm going to let you start now because right. I got to start the first one. Should the numeric scale be the standard pain assessment scale? In my context, yes. Yeah. And and my context being from my last statement that I actually don't care what your 10, 10. is. Yeah. I just want to know for you, when you said 10 before, is it now 8? We've yeah. improved. Yeah. Should the numeric scale be used as a equator amongst people yeah. no and that's where it bugs me when I see and I when I see practitioners go what's your pain out of zero to ten ten being the worst pain you can imagine like if I threw you into a burning building and yeah. it's like well why are we trying to equate pain amongst a population now that's yeah. not how pain is to be equated so yeah. zero to ten ten being the worst thing you know the worst pain you have yeah I, and I actually don't care if it was cancer or it, yeah. I just need to know that now you say it's eight and in an hour you say it's five, we still have work to do. Yeah. My opinion. So isn't that interesting because we haven't really talked about this and I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that if we take the subjectivity around the number, that my 10 out of 10 is the same as your 10 out of 10. I think if we just look at it as that's their decision, that's their number. That's just their number. Mm -hmm. So if that's their number, then say, oh, okay, it's 10 out of 10. I'm giving you pain medicine. I'm going to come back and ask you again, where is it at? And if they say, oh, it's eight, and you go, oh, okay, so does that still mean you need pain medicine? Oh, no, I'm comfortable at eight. Oh, okay, that's fine. You know, it's just I think it's more about them helping us understand what it is that's going to be helpful for them, right? And so I think numbers have no problem as long as you don't, try to, as you said, equate it to what your 10 out of 10 is. That's them. It's a scale that just tells me, am I winning or losing? Yeah. And so just tell me what your pain number is and I'll fix it or it's, I'll try to. It's always funny. Like pain is a contest for some reason. It's yeah, like, I don't, I don't get the patients fighting against each other with hemoglobin levels. Yeah. Like, oh, well, your hemoglobin is only 115 and mine's 135. Like, but for some reason it's like, well, his pain's 10 out of 10 and yeah. yours is only seven and you're texting and you're... Yeah. And it's like, look, who, and, and I say this all the time now, I'm like, yeah. stop caring so much at work. Yeah. Like, why do we get so bent out of shape about stuff that really doesn't matter? Go to work. If someone is sitting in your triage booth texting, yeah. and they say, my pain's 10 out of 10. Then just write it down. Just write it down. Yeah. Just send them down. down. They yeah. have some pain that we can manage. And yeah. when we give them something, if they say, well, now it's nine. Yeah. Great. We've made one thing. 
what do you want it to be? Exactly. Well, I'm actually yeah. comfortable with it now. Perfect. My job is done. Exactly. I don't need to own this whole battle around. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. There's no way it's 10 out of 10. Well, it is for them. Who cares? Exactly. Oh, my God. Just stop caring so much at work. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, not, not in that context. Don't, don't make a judgment. But you just want them to feel a bit more comfortable. It's funny because I was actually at work. We're doing this. Both of us work today. So we're here doing it at the end of our day. And I just had a 67-year-old gentleman who had abdominal pain. And he, he kept, you know saying I'm dying I'm dying and his poor wife kept coming out saying he keeps saying he's dying and literally I did every test imaginable and there was nothing wrong with him and he likely just had gastroenteritis because that was the only thing but he was in so much pain and so you know I just had to treat his pain but I guess for me thinking about how much pain he was having did not equate to the severity Mm -hmm. of what was wrong with him. And so, yes, I managed his pain, but it didn't really, and I did do some tests, but it did not help, I don't think, this at all. It didn't equate to the severity of what the injury was at all. Yeah. So it's quite interesting to me, but I do think we should do it. So I, I guess but, we should talk yeah, about we the should, conclusion. We should do it, but yeah. only to compare the patient to themselves. Exactly. And not to, it's kind of like golfing, isn't it? And that's it? not typically what you see. Exactly. But I think it's like golfing. I know nothing about golf. Uh, but well, this my is going to be interesting. Then, I know isn't this is going to be because I've never played golf. But the thing is, what I've heard people say is that when you're golfing, you just need to think about how you did last time and how you did this time. So you're kind of playing against yourself to see if you get better. I mean, of course you want to win, but at the end of the day, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. But That I think story it's more, fell apart. I know it did. Totally How about you related apart. to cricket? I know, I'm going to just, I, that even worse. So let's not talk about it. Uh, maybe right. we should just do why don't you? Why don't you talk about a conclusion yes, because before I just we lose these people? Yes, because I screwed up the golf thing. So if anyone's golfers, I apologize. Um, but that was my understanding. So in conclusion, one, pain is pain, and pain is what the patient says it is. Two, pain cannot be treated if it cannot be assessed, in, a, in whatever way. And three, understand there are limitations in pain assessment scales, but it is important to assess patients' pain levels, no matter which method or scale one uses to accomplish this, and don't try to put your own value in the scale that is being used. Anything else to add? No. No. All right, it's easy. Then. Yeah. Stop being a pain, Manine. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next month. Bye. Bye.